You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. You're listening to DolphinsTalk.com Daily, the most listened to daily Miami Dolphins podcast on the internet. Come on, Dolphins fans. Time to fins up. Hello, Miami Dolphins fans. How are you today? And thank you for listening to the DolphinsTalk.com podcast. I am your host, Michael Leva, and I am joined today by an old friend, the NFL insider for USA Today, Safed Dean. Safed, how you doing today? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I thought that was the short intro. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought that long was a long one. intro. I thought that was a long intro. No, no, no. That's the short <laughs> that's intro. A, it's we great. I'm jamming along with you, man. Yeah, everyone seems to like that one. We just got that one last month, and everyone seems to like it with all the clips and stuff. We jazzed it up a little bit. Got some clips. We had one last year, but some guys are no longer here. That were here last year. We had to update it, freshen it up. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, that uh, happens from time to time. Yeah. Happens. Yeah. So before we talk about everything that happened this week, let's talk about some stuff on the field that's that's more fun and what people kind of want to hear about. Let's start off with our quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa. Now, last Saturday, he threw the practice pass that was heard around the world. 65 yards on the money. Dolphins fans were losing their mind. It was unreal. What are your thoughts on Tua heading into 2022? And what do you think? He he has a lot more weapons this year. He has a real left tackle this year. He has a coach who's got an offensive mind, offensive minded. What are your thoughts on Tua in 2022? Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day, <laughs> Mike. All the things that he didn't have before, he kind of has now, right? You have a, a, a offensive-minded coach who actually knows what they're doing on offense, whereas you don't have a defensive coach trying to teach offense to you um, or hold you back as a as a you know a first or second year player. Uh, you have a player like Tyreek Hill, who's probably arguably the best player to come through Miami since Ricky Williams, right? Um, and that's huge. Tyreek Hill alone, just like we saw Xavier Howard last year, you got the clip, you got some turnovers in Xavier Howard in your intro there. Yep. Xavier Howard's the type of player that he can make a, a game-changing play, turnover, fumble recovery, interception, whatever, and it's going to turn the tide for your team and lead to a win. Tyreek Hill does that even more than Xavier Howard does. <clears throat> um, a huge, huge pickup. And you mentioned, you know, it's Ron Armstead, and he's um, has a slow start to training camp because he's on his maintenance program, still has to come along this season. I'm, I'm hoping for the Dolphins' sake that it doesn't, uh, linger past week one. You know, obviously week one is a goal for everybody, but it takes a ramp up time for him to kind of get up to a, a spot here. We're talking about a 10-year vet coming off, I believe, a knee injury. So um, the old line is still going to take some steps to kind of get where you're, where it needs to go. But when you got guys like Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill running down the field, Tua doesn't need probably more than two, three seconds of coverage to, to get the ball to those guys or throw it in the area where he knows he's going to be. So um, it's a huge year. For Tua. It's a huge year for Tua. There's really no excuses around him. And I mean, as the season goes on, knock on wood, some things are going to happen that, you know, are unforeseen. And, and the way we look at the team now might change because of it. You, were, you know, I'm talking about the, the I word injuries. 
talking about, you know, other teams that might have, uh, you know, might have a better day than you when you see them on a Sunday. But um, it's all on tour for now. And and uh, it's up to him to really, really push his franchise forward and and take everything that's kind of happened in the past and channel it into, you know, some kind of energy and, 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 and let it release on the field, man. Yeah, absolutely. He has everything around him to be successful. And one of those things this year that I think is going to make a huge difference is Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel is a head coach with – who come from who came from a successful system in San Francisco with that style of offense that has worked around this league, the Kyle Shanahan's um, offensive system. Mike McDaniel's an interesting guy. We haven't seen anything like him, not just in South Florida, in the entire NFL. What are your thoughts? What are your first sort of takeaways from Mike McDaniel um, as a new head coach of the Miami Dolphins? Energy, 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 positive energy. Um and I feel like Dolphins players, when they feel like maybe things might be going a little tight, McDaniel's energy is probably going to give them the little boost that they need to kind of turn it around for themselves. Um, but I love his energy. I love his outlook on the game. I think he's a very, very quirky coach. Um, I think he's a coach that we've never seen before. Like you said, Mike, you know, we're used to the Flores type. We're used to people who are old school all the way like Brian Flores was, right? Um, disciplinarian, um, you know, old-fashioned and play-calling, things like that. And, and Mike McDaniel seems to be the pure opposite, and it's refreshing. It really is. Um, you know, I said something kind of last week on Twitter where, uh, you know, I, everybody was asking Mike McDaniel, or somebody asked about pressure. And he said, you know, it's it's something that we're, you know, we're looking forward to. It, it's, uh, you know, it's a challenge. It's, it's something that you have to overcome. And it was a very, very far cry from hearing Brian Flores say, uh, one day at a time, one day at a time. Can't worry about that. One day at a time. Um, I understand what Flo meant by that. It was very, very regimented. Yes. Sometimes you do have to live one day at a time, one snap at a time. But it's nice to also hear somebody say, we know what people are saying about us. We know what's going on. We're not dumb. And, and we're trying to meet that expectation. That's refreshing, too. Um, so we'll see what Mike McDaniel does this year. He's a rookie head coach. You know, he's going to have some lumps in the road, just like Brian Flores did, just like Adam Gase did just like all the other first-time coaches the Dolphins have hired since Steve Ross took over here. But um, his offense and where he's coming from is kind of proven, right? It's the Kyle Shanahan, and he worked with Sean McVay before. And, um, you know, these guys are offensive-minded people who actually worked out in the league, right? Kyle Shanahan reached an NFC title game a couple times, two times already in the last three years, four years. Um, you know, Sean McVay has a Super Bowl already, and um, – I think Mike McDaniel's offense, if it's anything like those other two, and the Dolphins finally have a player in Tyreek Hill who kind of have, you know, uh, who can change the tide for them, like I like I mentioned before. Um, we'll see how this all comes out, man. Uh, I'm really high on the Dolphins. I think they can really, really, uh, you know, make a big stride here. For me, it's just, you know, it sucks. This is, this is entering year one. It felt like year two, and, you know, you had everything a little bit more gelled and stuff maybe. You might be a little further along. I mean, just looking at the schedule, it's a tough, tough start, tough stretch in November too. But so is the AFC, and and so is yeah. everybody else got better. And it's nice to see the Dolphins didn't sit on their hands. They did their best to get better too. They absolutely did. They brought in a lot of players, and they totally revamped this offense. They revamped all the wide receivers, all the running backs, and offensive line. I want to talk about next because yes, Armstead at left tackle when he's healthy and on his game is as good as it comes. Connor Williams, they're moving him to center. And I know he's working hard on the snapping. He's staying after snapping the ball. We'll see how that goes. But aside from those two, we're bringing back the band. Austin Jackson, Liam Eikenberg, 
Robert Hunt, did they do enough here? Because I look at this roster right now. If Connor Williams doesn't work out at center snapping the ball, and there's a lot of issues snapping, let's say, Michael Dieter's hurt right now. They got no center. Austin Jackson, the right tackle. If this doesn't work out, who's the next guy in line? I don't know, I don't know if they have one who's capable. Yeah, there's guys, but there's guys you want to line up on Sunday in September. Did they do enough with this offensive line? Are you nervous like me about this offensive line? What are you thinking? I think the offensive line is, is a healthy exercise to temper expectations for this team, right? Like, um, I'm sorry, Dolphins fans. I'm sorry for saying this. I understand what you're going through. I know you really want to get 10 and 7, 11 and 6, want to, you know, win the AFC East, make the playoffs, win a playoff. I know all that. I, I Trust me, I, I want to see it too. I would love to see it too. Um, <clears throat> I think the expectation might be a little too high for this team. And and I think the matter is, is that uh, there's a lot of pieces that have to get put together here. And, and you mentioned it. It's got to come down to the offensive line too. Uh, Teron Rumstead is not starting off camp um, practicing every day. He's on a maintenance program. Um, so you're already kind of a little step behind there and that your star left tackle is not playing every down. But also you're hoping that he's good for week one. We'll see how that comes along week one. <clears throat> um, Michael Dieter, you know, in training camp, they don't want uh, – the teams don't want injuries kind of disclosed unless it's really, really, uh, you know, significant. And I believe Michael Dieter might be – a little closer to return than like, you know, then maybe like a doomsday scenario where you need another center kind of thing. Um, but if they have faith in Connor, Connor Williams to play center and he's getting plenty of opportunities to play center, um, it's kind of how the Dolphins, how the Dolphins are going to moving, moving forward. We talked about all these pieces that these guys added from Wilson, Tyreek Hill. Um, it's nice to see the O-line go get some pieces too. You know, they needed it. Uh, Robert Hunt was the only good offensive lineman on this team last year, in my opinion. Uh, he's the only one you could really run behind because he had a big body and he's the most athletic and all of, all of the above. Um, but this offensive line, you know, Austin Jackson looks a lot leaner. It looks a lot stronger. Um, Liam, Liam Eikenberg, this is a scheme that he kind of played in Notre Dame. And scheme does so much more than, you know, whatever the hell the Dolphins were running last year. <laughs> so, um, I, I think the, the opportunity, you know, like this O-line is like, I'm, I'm not a big O-line guy, but I, I can – for, for I can really put it in layman's terms here, I guess, for everybody else, yeah. right? So when Brian Flores' team and everybody else plays O-line, you go up like this, right? And Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan, they're going this way or they're going this way. And everybody is running this way or everybody is running this way at the same time. And that's what you're getting. Whereas in Brian Flores' office, everybody's going like this, and then they're just collapsing because they're not strong enough. <clears throat> um that's why runs went from one yard, two yard, into a stuck on second and eight and third and nine, you know, and has to do something with the football when let's do a run play. Let's do a run play when we have no run game. Um, yeah. Biggest, biggest confinement I have with the Dolphins there too. But um, look, this whole line has a lot of progress it needs to make. Let's let's not get that twisted there, Mike. You, you're uneasy about it, and it's naturally it's good for, reason, for good reason too. Um, but I believe, like, you know, I think the Dolphins have this in place here. I think co having Coach Lamb still be around is great for the players who – uh, are used to seeing him around, and I think you know, Coach Alvin I believe a Boston College guy, if I'm not mistaken. Boston College, Hofstra. He's been around. Yeah. Yes, his last spot with Boston College. Uh, that's, that's where I want. Spot. That's where yeah. I want my old line men to come from. And he, he sent a lot to the NFL from Boston College. There's been a lot drafted in the first three, four rounds. The past few drafts, well, yeah. came from him. So 
he knows what he's doing. Um, and that's what you him. want. You want a teacher yeah. to teach young players. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what they need um, because there's a lot of youth there. Guys like Austin Jackson, Hunt, Liam Eikenberg. It's only year two for Liam. Robert Hunt's going into year three, but he moved around a bit. Austin Jackson, left tackle, left guard now, right tackle. It's almost like they need to wipe the slate clean with these guys. I just hope they can, and we'll see. We're going to see soon enough. It's a clean slate. You can't wipe the slate clean with these guys. This is the slate that was clean before. I know. This is the young core. So this is a huge year for all those guys. I think you know what you have in Robert Hunt. Um, He might accelerate. He might accelerate even more with with everything that's going on with this old line. I mean – if I'm seeing Robert Hunt going this way, I'm running right behind him if I'm anything. Here's the thing, too. I'll say with Hunt, if Austin Jackson, for some reason, is not working out at right tackle, I want Hunt at right tackle then. He's the most athletic, and he's and he's someone I actually trust. So I'd rather see him there than moving Liam all around again. Okay. And Because I, I think right guard is easier to fill than right tackle. But well, hopefully Austin Jackson works out, and it's not an issue. But I'm saying if. Specifically with Robert Hunt, I always felt he should have played right tackle because he was the best one. Um, of, of the five, of the young fives that the Dolphins had. Um, and I think Robert Hunt does project as a guard. Like, when he gets older in his career, you know, and, you know, he might gain a little weight back, stuff like that. Like, an older guy, yeah. I think older guy does better at right guard than while he's young and spry, let's put him at tackle. I think that might be Robert Hunt's best, you know, move there. But, you know, I'm not a football coach, so and, and you're not either, right? Nope. You know, we, we, these not. people are paid to do their jobs, and I guess – He's a right guard because everybody else is having to play right guard. <laughs> yep. And yeah, absolutely. Now, the other side of the football, they brought everyone back. And when I mean brought everyone back, they literally they resigned every linebacker. They brought back pretty much the entire staff, which is rare with a head coaching change. But the second half of the year, yes, they didn't play the toughest quarterbacks. I get it, but they played well. And you're supposed to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And that's what they did those last eight, nine games outside of the Tennessee game, obviously. They beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They played well. How good can they be on that side of the ball? Melvin Ingram's there. He wasn't there last year. Ingram, um, I think they can be really <clears> – excuse me, I'm coughing. I think they can be really good on that side of the ball. What are your thoughts on the defense? Well, let's talk about the defense last season, Mike. And um, the biggest storyline last season with the Dolphins was their pursuit of Deshaun Watson. And – it just so happens that the Dolphins won the first game of Tua. He gets hurt. They lose six games, I believe, seven, seven. games. They seven. lose seven games in a row, right? Tua comes back, you know, still, but they, they lost seven in a row. The trade deadline passes. Watson's not on the Dolphins. Tua's still on the Dolphins. And, oh, they just go 8-1. and one. They just go 8-1, and one, right? Yeah. So I think everybody kind of had their eye on, on, on the outside looking on the outside, you know, not even focused really. But there was something about this defense where the last two years, uh, I repeated this a couple of times, and, I, and I'll say it again. Uh, if you're a defender and you know you have an offense that can score for you, you're going to play harder. And if you don't know you have an offense that can score for you, like what's the point, right? It's kind of a natural thing there. And I think this year the Dolphins defense knows the core guys, Xavier Howard, Christian Wilkins, Jerome Baker, uh, Raekwon Davis, um, you know, uh, Nick Needham, Eric Rowe, all these guys have played. In, in a, now you're adding Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland in the mix. Like, all these guys have played at least one season together. Some of those guys, at least two. Uh, this is a core. This is a, a, a core that's played the same scheme for two going on three seasons now, right? So even if Brian Flores was the orchestrator of this defense, you still got Josh. 
uh, knows it really well, and these, these these defenders that know it really well too. So for me, uh, everything this season, you know, also along with Tua scoring and, and everything, you know, the defense has to step up. The defense has to really show out. I think it could be a top 10 defense in the league. I think they could probably even be top five if they really wanted to. But that's on them. That's on those guys on the field. It's not on any of the coaches. It's not on anybody on offense to kind of keep the score what it is. It's on those guys on the field to decide if they want to be top five or not. And if they want to be top five or not, this season could be a drastic, drastic improvement from what we've seen in recent years. Yep, totally. Totally agree with that. Uh, Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill's come here. And Tyree Kill's talking a lot. Podcast, making some statements, which I like it in some ways because this franchise for 20 years has had like no energy outside of, as you said, to start. Ricky Williams, no real superstar, charismatic figure. Tyreek brings that. So I like the swagger he brings. I like the energy he brings. He's got the fan base excited, and he brings that jolt of energy. But you can talk too much, too, because he, you know, so it's a fine line. What do you think about Tyreek in the podcast? What do you think about Tyreek and some of the statements he said? How do you follow that? Because I know some people are like, I love, I, it. I love it. I want more. Some people are like, eh, okay, it might be a little too much. Now, where do you fall? I love it. I love, love it. it. I, love I kind it. of like it too. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, this dog, this team had 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 little puppies, no bite. You know, it was only Waddles, only X, uh, and a couple guys on defense. Bake. You know, like uh, Tyreek Hill for his size, for his stature, he's a big dog. Okay, he's a big dog. He's probably the most vicious pit bull you ever seen on a football field. <laughs> if you want to, you know, like he's 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 an alpha of the highest order in the NFL, right? He's one of the most scariest receivers in the NFL. Um, he's one of the most cockiest receivers in the NFL because of the fact that he knows what he can do on the football field, right? This Dolphins team, you know, like outside of X, like you, you don't have – and Waddle, like you didn't really have that 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 mentality, right? Like um, somebody who's going to step on the field and know nobody on the other side can stop them. Like – Tyreek Hill's mentality and that the way he thinks and his confidence, it it just brushes off on everybody else, right? Like when you have a guy like that where you know he's going to beat his guy every single time and he's going to talk smack and he's going to let them know when you're Jalen Waddle, when you're Mike Kosicki, when you're Raheem Mostert, when you're Sonny Michelle, when you're Miles Gaskin, you know, the list goes on and on. And even the Zoe linemen, when you're Tua specifically, you can't let Tyreek Hill down. You don't want to let Tyreek Hill down. You know, I have to do this little bit to kind of help me over. Tyreek probably has the rest of it. But when when somebody out there is barking and, and they can they can follow and, and kind of live up to the bark, it's it's amazing to see. And I think Tyreek Hill's confidence in him going out and saying everything on these podcasts and trying to brand himself as a you know a podcaster, um, you know, and trying to brand himself in the dolphins. I mean, granted, they're paying him a lot of money to do all these talking to yeah, yeah. you know when you're uh, the thing is, uh, you remember that, that that practice on uh, you know last Saturday when Tua threw the sixty-five yes. yard pass. Yep. So before the practice, Tyreek Hill gets in front of the crowd and he's pumping up everybody. He gets the mic and all the guys on defense are kind of looking at Tyreek Hill and seeing the crowd and seeing the reaction. And they're like, hey, "Nobody like this was before here. No, you know, nobody, nobody. No. Not even Tua. Tua's not even like a pump up rah rah guy. He's, you know, he is who he is. So." Everybody's gonna follow Tyreek Hill's lead, and and that's the the Dolphins are only going as far as Tyreek Hill takes them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it's been a busy week this week, obviously with the big story. 
Miami has their owner, Mr. Ross, suspended till October 17th. The owner in waiting, suspended from Lee Activities for a year. They lose a first-round pick next year. They lose a third-round pick 2024. They got in trouble more for the tampering than the tanking of games. But it was Brian Flores' claim on the tanking, which opened up the investigation into the Dolphins, which led to the tampering. So while Flores claimed that they were trying to lose on purpose, the NFL was very clear to say those allegations are false. But we also found this, and it's a – I mean, it is what it is. There's no appeal process, and it seems like they were caught red-handed because they didn't try to tamper once. They tried to tamper three times. <laughs> I mean, so, well, they didn't try. They did tamper three times, it sounds like. What are your thoughts on the whole situation? Was the punishment too um, harsh or too light? I know everyone – I've seen a wide range of opinions on that. Some people think it's too harsh. A lot of people think it's way too light. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> the way you kind of explained it kind of seemed like a bait and switch, right? Like, we didn't it, find it any is. tanking. We didn't find any but tanking. We found but this. Yeah. And, it's like and, when they got – it's like when they went after Al Capone, they couldn't find anything, but you lied on your taxes, so we got you for mm-hmm. that. It's the same thing. It's – it's um. there's a lot of layers to this, Mike, um, and I guess the NFL's investigation is is the fact that it's <clears throat> I, I, – let me start at the top here. Um, I'm not as up in arms as some people are against Steve Ross for – and Bruce Beal for tampering, right? I'm not, I'm not. I, uh, if you're a Dolphins fan and you know what you've known, that you haven't won a Super Bowl in 50 years and you haven't won a playoff game in uh, Lord knows 20, how many, two, 20, right? So, yeah, yeah, so 22, yeah, 22, yeah. Um, your owner is trying to get the greatest quarterback of all time. Would you support that? Heck yeah. Or your owners try to get a quarterback into his prime but has off field transgressions like Watson. Would you support that? Football standpoint? Oh, yeah. I mean, some people say they don't, but at the end of the day, I always said, if they added Watson, people would be out there cheering like they were last week. I know some people say they wouldn't, but they really – they would. And what about a Super Bowl winning coach, Mike? I'll take that tomorrow. Yeah, please. Absolutely. Okay, so so Steve Ross. And and what about the number one pick in 2020? Would you want that? I was hoping for that. I didn't know. I I mean, I saw you in a couple of those games. You're like, why is Fitzpatrick still in there? (laughs) Get him out of there and put Josh Rosen in, right? Yes. Um, If the Dolphins wanted to tank, Brian Flores was the wrong coach to hire. One. Uh, Two, I don't blame Steve Ross at all for going after the big fish um, and trying to land the whale that we've, we've seen Pat Viley land over the years with the Miami Heat. Whether it's LeBron, whether it's you know Shaq, whether it's uh, Jimmy Butler, um, Steve Ross swung for the fences and he missed, and uh, it was clumsy. And 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 the whole part of the matter is too though, Mike is it's not that he got caught tampering, it's not that he got caught, is that he got investigated, right? When Brian Flores blew the whistle on the Dolphins and he shot it from the heavens, all this is going on in Miami, right? Then it felt had to address this with an investigation, right? So all the things that the NFL found in this investigation seems pretty serious, right? Tom Brady tampering 2019 before, during, after the 2019 season. 2021, December 21, while he's still with the uh, Buccaneers, excuse me, and they're getting ready for a playoff run where they fall to the Rams. And then after the season, let's talk about minority owner, but Tom Brady was still going to try to play as well. Um, Sean Payton, uh, you talked to his agent, and then when he fully retired, then you contacted the Saints too. So there's multiple, you know, things there where you try to get Sean Payton too. But um, 
the Dolphins didn't pull anything off. They were nowhere near close to pulling anything off, honestly. Uh, but the fact that Brian Flores brought this up in his lawsuit, the NFL had to investigate, see it, and put out a report. And essentially, for me, I look at it this way, too, with, with Dolphins, is that um, the NFL gave Brian Flores credibility. They said, yeah, what you said happened. That's great. That's great for Brian Flores. But the punishment is nowhere near what Brian Flores was expecting, right? Like if Brian Flores, people were talking about like Steve Ross potentially losing his team if the tanking thing went through. Yeah. And he, and he still has his team, um, you know, and, and even the tanking, just to say that they, you know, uh, Steve Ross had comments and jest and it went all the way down, stuff like that. Brian Flores put it in writing. He addressed it with the upper management and supposedly those talks stopped. You know, for that, for, for that, Brian Flores is, you know, it's kind of like an L for him. It's kind of like a slap in the face, too. But uh, the NFL did prove him credible. And the fact of the matter is whatever this fine is, the NFL gave the Dolphins, excuse me, $1.5 the draft picks, whatever, whatever. It may not be what Flores wanted to see, but it also kind of undermines Flores' lawsuit in court, too. Yes. Um, you know, the NFL is saying, hey, we already disciplined the Dolphins. So, you know, I don't know what other further discipline you think you can get here in court or something, but... Still, Brian Ford's lawsuit is also factored on is the NFL or, or the Dolphins or other people, uh, you know, racist? Are they, uh, you know, the, do they, are, are, was Brian Flores a lame duck coach here? Um, you know, so a lot of layers, a lot of layers, Mike. And I think for me, the column I wrote on USA Today that got some Dolphins fans upset was, you know, this was a reminder for Tua that, you know, Tom Brady and Deshaun Watson were options, you know. Before he was here and after he was here. I mean, maybe you can't judge him for, for before, but, you know, for the 2021 season, it was Deshaun Watson and it was Tom Brady. And Tua has to move forward past that. I mean, I think he has. He's probably the most confident and in the best place he's ever been during his career here because of the fact that Brady didn't happen and Deshaun Watson didn't happen. This report is just a little reminder of what the NFL did to investigate, right? So all these things didn't happen in January, didn't happen in February. And for the past six months, who has been preparing for this season? Mike McDaniels been preparing for his season, knowing he was the Dolphins' number two choice, and he got picked, he got hired. Um, so this doesn't really change anything for Tua or Mike McDaniel. They got to they got to put an offense on the field. They got to win games, and for Tua specifically, he's got to stay healthy. He's got to deliver the football to Hill and Waddle and all these other guys. Um, he's got to you know lead the Dolphins to another winning record like they had the past few years, but. They got to get past Buffalo and they got to get into the playoffs too. Yeah. And I think fans just see like the first round pick, the first round pick. And yes, it stinks to lose a first round pick, but a couple of things here. A, Miami has two. So this stings a little less. If you had, if they didn't have that second first round pick, this would really sting. They still have a pick in round one next year. So it stings a little bit less, which I know some fans don't want to hear, but it really does. The second thing is, the way Miami's kind of drafted in recent years, we might have screwed it up anyways. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. No Igbenogany, Austin Jackson. We, we've we had, you know, um, Charles Mike, Harris. Mike, how dare you? Mike, how I mean, dare you? Why I would mean, you say that? I thought you were a offense fan. I am. But i got to be honest about it, too. I know we've hit on a lot of picks. Like, Holland's a great pick. Waddle's a great pick. Oh, I get it. But we've yeah. also missed on a fair <laughs> share of early round picks. I think the entire 2017 draft is out of the league. <laughs> or, you know, I think 2018, Mika Fitzpatrick was here for five minutes and we traded out, which I know had left in Florence. I get it. We trade a pick in round two for Rosen. I mean, we've done some bad things with draft picks. So it's tough to get upset with draft picks. I'm uh, glad you said it, Mike. I'm glad you said it. And plus, we just it. gave away a ton of them for Tyreek Hill. So it's like you can't be 
so focused on the draft when we're just laissez-faire with picks anyways. Listen, draft picks are very, very overrated. They're very overrated. It's um, it's a gift card. Draft picks it's a form are gift of currency. Cards. It's a form of currency. Yeah, yeah. Like you have a hundred dollar gift card, you don't know what you can go buy at Best Buy, right? But like the fact that you have an opportunity to go buy something at Best Buy is pretty cool, right? Like I can go get a nice pair of headphones. I can go get a nice pair of speakers. Uh, I could buy a controller and maybe you know uh, something else. You know, like I, I can buy a couple things. I know I can get. I don't know what I'm going to get when I turn it in. Yeah. But it makes me feel good knowing that I can get something. That's what draft picks are, man. They are overrated currency. It's an overrated currency. And you said what you said about the Dolphins. I'm not going to repeat it. Uh, I had the same thoughts as well. Um, but look, a first round pick is okay. That's probably the harshest punishment that the it Dolphins is. got. Because 1.5 million is a drop in the bucket for Steve Ross, who makes. And if he's not there till October, who cares? No fans gonna care. No fans gonna care. Yeah, not there. Steve, Steve Ross Network is eight billion dollars. 1.5 million is like you know maybe 40 bucks for me and you, Mike. Yeah, um, exactly. And the facility thing that like he can go to the game, he can go to the game in the stadium, but he can't go across to the facility. <laughs> that makes for, no sense. That he spent a couple hundred million on. <laughs> I, and I'm not even sure of how many league meetings there are before now in October, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he'll just send Tom Garfinkel. He'll send Tom Garfinkel. That's it. Who cares? Tom, go this, take care this, of it for me. This is what the, this. That's what that was. This it is what was. This that, it really, really was, especially because they have two first round. Now, if they didn't have that second first round pick, some people might say, well, okay, now we got to wait till maybe who knows. Though. But they had two first round picks, and if San Francisco and Lance aren't any good, they're that pick might be higher anyways. Who knows? I just I, I think Trey Lance might be good. I think Trey Lance I, might be I good. I do too, actually. I'm just saying if. But yes, I, yeah. I tend to agree. I think he's gonna be special. He's I got mean, that trait. God forbid you have what happened to the Dolphins, right? Where like um what was it that happened? They had who whose pick did they have last year? That, Houston. Uh, yeah, and Straight. they got all the way to three and then they traded they traded it away, right? And they traded down they to twelve, traded they traded back up to six. Yeah, yeah, you know, so like you never know. I mean, you never really like, know. Why would you get the third place player in the draft? I don't, I don't know, but it's funny too. I I, I kind of go back to that too. Like that's a trade where, I mean, look, Jalen Waddle still kind of be a really great, great. player. But you could have took player. Chase and just kept all your other picks. I don't know if you would have took. Yeah, I don't know if. I mean, at that time, I was I was kind of in favor of Kyle Pitts a little more, and yeah. I think Tua would have loved the tight end. But pairing him with Waddle has been a great a great move by the Dolphins. I I guess they wish they probably wish Houston pick wasn't so high. Yeah, and then. You talk about the pick around three. We traded a third round pick to move up eight spots to take Liam Eikenberg. No, nothing against Liam. I think he's going to be good, actually. But we traded a third round pick to move up eight spots to get him. Is he that type of guy? I don't know. I mean, so it's like picks. And we've had so many picks recently. We've had so many. It's like you lose one. Eh, we've had like three first rounders or two first rounders. Then one at pick number seven. How many picks we need? At some point, got to. They, they overpaid for Josh Rosen, too. Yeah, could have, could have had a day three pick for Josh Rosen. They, 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 you know, they didn't have to do it on day two either. So, um, look, like I said, draft picks are currency, and I think I'm the fan of let's throw a bunch of draft picks and get Tyreek Hill because he's a proven commodity. I know he can win me games. He's one of the best players, one of the top ten players in the NFL. That's proven. That's a draft pick. That's worth it. how many draft picks? I don't care how many you can give. Yep. All these guys, Tyreek Hill is probably. You know, how many players do you put on this team that he's like, if you put them together, you think Tyreek Hill is going to do better than all of those other players combined, right? Yeah. Like, look at everybody else on the offense before. Like, outside of Waddle, outside of Gasicki, um, you know, you take all the linemen, you take all the running backs, you put them all together. 
how effective are they going to be compared to what Tyreek Hill can do for you? Hill's going to the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Fame <laughs> wide receiver. He's a Hall of Fame player. I mean, so he just is. He's a Hall of Fame player with his numbers. He's just he's going to the Hall. And plus, what he does on the field is all the attention he gets is going to open things up for Cedric Wilson and Mike Kosicki and Waddle. Like, teams can't put two players on everybody. So if Hill's getting extra attention, and then you got to pay attention a little bit more to Waddle than normal, well, what are these other guys going to do? I mean, they're going to be running against linebackers, running down the field, hopefully wide open. So what he brings just in the fear factor of these opponents. Like, Miami, has had, they haven't had a guy in years that the opponent's coordinator has stayed up at night worrying about how we're going to stop the Dolphins' offense. This they year, every two. defensive Yeah. Every every defensive coordinator we play this year is not going to sleep well the week they're playing Miami because how do we stop Hill, number one, and two? Even if we stop him, how do we slow down the rest of these guys because they can really play now too? That's what he brings, and I agree. It's You can't put a price on that. The picks they gave up, who cares? you got a superstar. We haven't had – I mean, for the past 20 years, outside of the, um, the one year with Adam Gase and the one year with Tony Sperano, we've had – Joe Philbin, Tony Sperano, Adam Gage, Brian Flores, very buttoned-up coaches, close to the vest, conservative types, very vanilla in the style of play and everything. We got a young head coach, and now we got a superstar in Hill, and with Waddle, too, because it's just year two, who got some pizzazz, got some flash, and it should be exciting at least. Even if we don't win as many as we want, it should be exciting to watch at least. Uh, the only, only well, one, one criticism I have of the roster building, I don't know, I would have kept Devontae Parker. Um, fifth round pick, or sorry, him in a fifth or a third. Um, I know Devontae, you still have to pay him. I, 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 I'm not really keeping track of the salary cap and how much it would have cost to keep him. But um, for me, I thought it might have been worth it. And here's, here's my thinking on that, Mike. And let me know if you agree or disagree with that. Yeah. Obviously, we know what Devontae Parker is as a player. <clears throat> and, um, the problem with Devonta Parker is that the Dolphins depended on him to be the number one option for how many years, right? And in this offense, in this offense, what he would be the third, fourth, fifth, third or fourth, yeah, right? Like, so if if it, you, you tell me Devonta Parker gets in the field, right? Let's say he plays ten games, right? Sure, we'll give him some injury, you know, he pulls an hamstring, you know what happens? Ten games, he scores five touchdowns, you know, uh, or let's even give him, yeah, let's five touchdowns. I think those games that he scores the touchdowns, I think the Dolphins win those games, right? Like Hill and Hill and Waddle are such speed guys, and and let's not be you know naive here. I mean, there's gonna be times where you know a misfire happens, or um, you know DB gets in the way or something like that, and and uh, there's gonna be a jump ball. And and sadly, the best part about I mean, the worst part about Tyree Kill's game and Jalen Waddle's game is they're both five ten. Um, you know, you're gonna need somebody to go up and get the football. That's, I think, where Devontae Parker could have brought it, probably brought to the team. Um, I, I think, you know, those those couple – those little instances where Dolphins could need a touchdown and they're, they're not able to get it, um, maybe Devontae Parker could have been a player that could have helped in that situation. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. It wasn't about the money because I think right now, as of today, after they cut Adam Butler this week, I think they're $20 million under the cap. So I don't think it was a financial thing. I just think some guys just wear out their welcome. You have Chris Greer. He's been here the whole time. Not so much with the staff. Chris Greer has been here the whole time with him, and he probably saw an opportunity to get a pick in round three. And he's like, you know what? We got Hill. We got Waddle. We got Cedric Wilson. Maybe it's time to sort of cut ties. And the fact I can get a third-round pick to boot makes a little sense. So I kind of get the logic. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, if he was still here, that's another aspect of this offense that would be there. Last question, I'll let you go. NFL in general, not just the Dolphins. 
Give me one sleeper team in the AFC this year, one sleeper team in the NFC, a team you think's not getting talked about, not going to win the Super Bowl per se, but might surprise some people, win a lot of games, make the playoffs. Give me one sleeper in the AFC, one sleeper in the NFC. Uh, sleeper, 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 sleeper. I can go first if you want. Let I got mine. My, let me look at my teams. Give me one second. Give me one second. I wasn't prepared sure. for this question. I wasn't prepared. <laughs> I know. I didn't prep you for this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, sleeper team in the AFC. I got the Raiders, man. I think a lot of people might be sleep on the Raiders than 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 they should, and uh, I think Devontae Adams is everything I said about the Dolphins. I can say the same thing about the Raiders because of Devontae Adams. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason they're slept on is because the the the, the you know it's the Chargers and the and the Chiefs, and um, we'll see what the what the Broncos do in that same division. But um, I think the Raiders might be slept on a little too much. Um, uh, and the NFC sleeper sleeper sleeper. Let's see. Um, I don't know, man. All these teams are kind of snoozy to me here. Maybe Minnesota. Maybe the Vikings. I like Dalvin Jefferson. Yeah. Um, I think those two guys. Those. That's a. That's one of the best wide receiver running back duos in the league, too. So I'd say the Vikings. I don't trust Kirk Cousins though, so that's why I'm a little sleep on him. Yeah. How about well, you? I think I think you're right about the Raiders and the Adams signing was big. I think Chandler Jones signing is also big because on the other side of the ball, they were weak on defense. Jones mm-hmm. is going to help them significantly, and I agree because it's the West. And even Russell Wilson gets a lot of attention. The Raiders have sort of been flying under the radar. That's what I like the Colts because, A, Matt Ryan's got a year or two left in him, and that team had everything but a quarterback. So they mm-hmm. upgraded a quarterback. They got the running game, and you get to play Houston twice, Jacksonville twice. Even the Titans aren't what they were. You can beat some teams there. Plus, you get the NFC East, which isn't any good. You get Wentz. You know, you get um, Jones there for the Giants. I think Indianapolis, I don't know. They're going to win a lot of games. I don't know if they're going to do anything in the playoffs. But they'll win a lot of games in the regular season. And I think the other team is the Eagles. The NFC East is brutal. I mean, Washington's bad. The Giants are bad. The Cowboys lost two wide receivers and two offensive linemen, and they weren't any good on the other side of the ball to begin with. Philadelphia added A.J. Brown. They got a couple studs in the draft that look good. I think the yeah. Eagles are going to win the East, and I think the Eagles might surprise. The NFC is weak. You got <laughs> yes, Tampa Bay and the Rams, San Francisco with Lance is a little unknown. You don't know how good the Packers are going to be. Exactly. Yeah, because the Packers lost a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Philadelphia could surprise some people, and I think Hurts, you know, he's he's good. I mean, he ain't the best, but I think he's solid. I like Philly a lot this <clears> year <throat> in the NFC, so uh, those would be mine. I like I like the Philly pick. I have to I have to think about the Philly pick a little more. I like the AJ Brown addition. Yeah. They kind of they kind of backed into the playoffs a little bit last year too. Let's not forget yeah. they made the playoffs last year. Jalen Hurts has a playoff berth under his under his belt, unlike yeah. Tua, unlike Mac Jones. Um, I think the Saints might be I might might be Saints good too. Saints too. That's another bad division, and he's yeah. pretty good. Winston, I think he gets a lot of crap he doesn't deserve. Yeah, I think uh, I think Winston is around, he's surrounded by a lot too. That defense is is really good. Um, Kamara is Kamara, and if they get Mike Thomas back, I think they could be kind of knocking on the door a little bit harder than they were last year. Um, man, I like your Eagles pick. I got to go back. And, and they got and the, and the Saints also got Landry this year, and they got the wide receiver there from Ohio State in the draft. So they got three wide receivers this year who can probably play. And you know, with, with, what's that? I think there's a couple teams that might sneak up, um, and I don't want to say it on this podcast, but I might have to say it. Um, I think that, I think the Jets might be like a year or two away. I think the Jets have some good firepower. I like Elijah Moore a lot. I like Sauce Gardner. Um, I think Zach Wilson is kind of on that Trey Lance track where 
you can throw the ball and kind of zip it like Patrick Mahomes, but you may not be Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think the Jets might be a little on the rise. They might be a little too early to the party. Um, that's why the Dolphins have to take advantage. I think Detroit might be good, man. I mean, when James Williams yeah. comes back, I think Detroit could have some some good players too. Um, but we're getting to some real minutia here. In the well, league. here's what I'll say about the Jets, because I had on a reporter for the Jets last month. I had a reporter from the Jets. Okay. If you look at the Jets' schedule, the Jets are an improved team, no doubt. That roster's improved. I think the quarterback's going to take a little bit of a jump. The team's improved. They're better. Not arguing that. You look yeah. at that schedule. Outside of the Cleveland game, which probably won't have Watson, Mm-hmm. Between week one to November 27th, that schedule is brutal. That's after Thanksgiving. You're talking the entire North. Ravens, Bengals, Pittsburgh, I Cleveland, up, Miami, Troy. That is – till November 27th, that is the Ooh. toughest schedule in the league. They're, you got to I mean, play at Green Bay, at Denver? Yes, that's what I'm saying. That schedule, they're improved. It ain't yeah. going to show up in the win-loss record, though. Yeah, now, everybody. they end the year soft. But they're going to be like one in ten by the get to that by the time they get to that point. Listen, this is why the Dolphins have to beat the Patriots, and they have yes. to win one against Buffalo. They have to win split one against with Buffalo. Buffalo. That's not asking too much either. Split with them. Um, and I don't even know if here's the thing with this Dolphins team, right? Like Buffalo has been such a such an enigma, like a thorn in the side, right? Like I don't know if these Dolphins players think they could beat Buffalo. Um, because of just how badly they've gotten beaten down up there, down here, wherever you want to call it. Uh, but Tyreek Hill was the thorn in Buffalo side in the playoffs the last couple of years, too. And you tell me Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer and all those boys, Davis White is injured, but you tell me that defense, I couldn't uh, stop them for 13 seconds. You think they want to see Tyreek Hill uh, at all? At all? Yeah. And they got to worry about Jalen Wano at the same time? I think Buffalo might be in for it. I think Josh uh, Tua has got to have to go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen. Um, he can do it with these two receivers that he has, but um, and the Dolphins got to come to play. The defense has to come to play. Josh Allen been kicking their ass for a couple years now. Uh, it's about time that they kind of win one over Josh Allen too. So uh, we'll see. That's that's my game though. But I really hope that's a that's a week three game, and you know, depending on how the Bills play or depending on how the Dolphins play, it could have a potential to really kind of drag on the season if the Bills beat up on the Dolphins. Um, or it could be one of those things where it kind of propels the Dolphins to say, hey, we can beat Buffalo, let's beat everybody else now and turn up this year. Well, that's the thing with that game. Miami has to beat them week three because the second time they play them is late in the year around Christmas. They ain't going to go up to Buffalo. I, I don't care how good two is. They ain't going in the snow and beating them in Buffalo late in the year. They have to beat them week three if they're going to beat them once, and that's the game, and that's the week we need Hill. Hill wants that's, to talk. He can talk all he wants that week. Rev up the boys. Get the boys ready. That's what he had. When we had Landry – Landry was a guy, first quarter of a game if things aren't going right. Landry's going to start something and, mm-hmm. you know, rev up the boys and get everyone back in the game. We haven't had that since Landry. Hill's going to be that guy now. He can step into that role to where I want to see it all week, though. <laughs> he can do it in the game, too, where he's like, okay, we're down. Let's get to work now and just sort of start something to get everyone refocused. And it's going to be fun to watch, Stop it really this is. Dolphin, this Dolphin schedule is kind of brutal, man. You talk about that uh, Buffalo game later in month, the year. Yes. In the end – San Fran yeah, and the LA. Finish is brutal. Yeah. Yeah. The first stretch is brutal. I mean, you got to go to Baltimore and Cincy and Buffalo. You know, uh, I mean, you're you're playing Buffalo at home. That that you know, New England, Baltimore, Buffalo, Cincy, tough stretch. It eases up a little bit for you, but you don't know if Dalvin Cook's gonna run wild. We don't honestly. Does this Dolphins run defense? It was bad the last couple of years. We got to see if they're gonna do better against the run. Um, anytime they play a good running back, I will be scared. Um, but outside of that, I would be okay with the defense and the stretch. You know, you mentioned that Buffalo game, they got to go at San Fran, at Chargers, at Bills, three back to back weeks. Like, I, I, and home on Christmas, 
Home on Christmas against Aaron Rodgers. That's at least fun. it's at least a Christmas gift. At least they gave you a Christmas gift there. But uh, you got something to watch. <laughs> yeah, maybe Aaron Rodgers will be high on some psychedelic or something. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Safed, thank you so much for a few uh, for a few minutes every time. Everyone, be sure to follow Safedina on Twitter at Safed underscore Dean, and also read his work at the USA Today. He's now an NFL insider. He's not just covering the Dolphins. An NFL insider, Safedine. Safed, thanks so much. Always love having you on. Anytime, man. We got to get Big E the next time we do this, all right? Yes, next time we'll do it, we'll have Ian on for sure. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Have a good one, dude. Appreciate you reaching you out too. to me. Yep, later. Thank you for listening to the DolphinsTalk.com podcast. Be sure to visit DolphinsTalk.com every day for all of your latest Miami Dolphins news.